Welcome to Chetting Kea On Air, a series of discussions about topical legal issues hosted by Chetting Kea. We're a full-service law firm based in Istanbul, serving local and international clients. With decades of experience, we provide bespoke legal and compliance advice to law firms, businesses, individuals, entrepreneurs, and families. We're here today to talk to you a little bit about compliance uh, in the Turkish market. Altsuk, welcome. Welcome, Kevin. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Very well. So, uh, I suppose the, uh, the the best way to sort of get the ball rolling for this one is is if you could tell us a bit about your background and uh, and your experience in ethics and compliance. Thanks, Kevin. It's great to be here and uh, do this podcast with you. So, uh, my name is Alto Özgün. I'm working as a legal and compliance professional for more than uh, 16 years. Actually, I started with my family law firm as a practicing lawyer. Uh, which was heavily concentrated on litigation. Mm-hmm. Then I wanted to challenge myself in multinational uh, multinational companies, especially the, in investment law and corporate law perspective. I had the opportunity to uh, meet with compliance uh, in SEC regulations in United States, and I was the first compliance officer of the uh, investment company uh, in Turkey. Then I switched to being a legal compliance manager in one of the uh, biggest generic pharma companies in Turkey called uh, Deva Holding. Then my career actually just continued uh, as a uh, as in the, the healthcare uh, industry. Uh, I also had the opportunity to work uh, in uh, Beckman Coulter, uh, a US-based medical device company. I was a compliance and legal manager there, and I actually mastered my compliance knowledge and U.S. law uh, in Beckman Coulter as well. Then I switched to uh, Sandoz, and I was the head of legal and compliance in Sandoz, Turkey, where I also worked on uh, pharmaceutical law, corporate law matters, and also uh, worked with the healthcare compliance and general business uh, ethics environment. Uh, I recently joined uh, from Astellas Pharma, where I was the uh, ethics and compliance uh, director, I wanted to challenge myself this time in a private practitioner industry and I want to return to my roots, <laughs> I can say. And I wanted to use my in-house lawyer and compliance experience in a private law firm where I joined as a partner. Actually, we are very excited uh, as Chetinkaya Law Firm to speak about and to raise the awareness on compliance matters, which we believe that is a new area uh, with uh, legal profession uh, and there is a room for improvements and uh, room for opportunities in Turkey. So I've been there, so that's why I am here. I've been in the client's shoes before. Yeah. So I know how to, how to uh, address risks. I know how uh, the clients actually uh, look for. So that's why uh, I wanted to Um, actually joined Chetinkaya and uh, broaden my knowledge on legal and compliance in other industries as well. Excellent, excellent. And it's not only the sort of in-house sort of roles that you've done and you, you started off in private practice as well, but um, but you, you you get involved in, in sort of ethics and compliance outside of, of those roles as well. Is that right? Yep. Actually, uh, compliance and ethics, business ethics always attracts me. I don't know why. But, uh, you know, I always love the preventative approach and risk management approach in compliance. Because in 
usually in legal world and especially in Turkey, when you say that you are a lawyer, everybody thinks that after some sort of a problem occurs, they need to contact with the lawyer. But okay. uh, in the real world and in the in the future, it's not like that. You need to consult to to a legal or compliance person before a problem arises. So there needs to be a proactive, risk-based approach. So uh, that's why I've been always attracted to become a strategic partner with the business mm-hmm. or proactively and uh, manage the risks with the business people. My former colleagues in uh, while I was working as an in-house, they always said to me that I had a business-minded approach. They have offered me some business positions, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I always loved the way of compliance, working with the business and try to get to the strategic decisions. But not only that, uh, I, when we saw that there is a lack of awareness in, of uh, compliance and business ethics in Turkey, uh, I joined... Uh, Ethics and Reputation Society of Turkey, which we abbreviate as TATE. And now I am serving as a board member there. Since uh, mm-hmm. 10 years, we are working very hardly on uh, raising the awareness and uh, actually naming ethics and compliance as a separate profession other than audit and uh, legal in Turkey. And I am serving uh, as a tutor and the keynote speaker in Ethics and Reputation uh, Society where we also have a certificate program for everyone who wants to know ethics and compliance management profession. Uh, And I am also a member of the Transparency International in Turkey. So in that way, I had the opportunity to meet with so many professions in Turkish industry. I had the opportunity to share my knowledge with other people and learn uh, learn from other professions and learn from each other as well. Excellent, excellent. And you, um, you've been doing quite a lot there. But then um, something that I, I found quite interesting there is is that you're mentioning that that compliance is is different from the normal type of legal function. And I suppose it's sort of good to sort of bring in, you know, the the, the Turkish legal landscape. You know mm-hmm. how the framework mm-hmm. sort of is at the moment. You know, can can you sort of give us sort of an idea on on how that's grown over over the past few years and and and, and how that works now? Yeah, uh, if you look at the history of compliance, actually it's emerged in the United States in 1970s after the big scandals. Then in the 2000s with the Enron scandal, the need for compliance officers has been much more compared to the last century. But in Turkey, still there is a lack of awareness uh, in compliance and uh, we are still discussing with HR professionals whether compliance should be a part of legal department, uh, audit department, or finance department, or independent. From my perspective and from what I see from the guidelines from very uh, reputable institutions like uh, US uh, Department of Justice uh, guidelines, we are seeing that compliance by itself should be uh, its own uh, department and its own decision-making process. Uh, because there can be some conflict of interest with legal functions when you are working as an in-house. An in-house uh, legal uh, department always looks for the benefit of the company. This is what they do. But as a compliance officer, you are also protecting the company from mm-hmm. inside or outside risks. And at the same time, you are protecting the employees when they are trying to speak up or when they are making a whistleblower about the potential uh, risky situation, ethical uh, situation. Actually, in some sectors like pharma, 
or finance, the environment in Turkey uh, for compliance officers is there because they are being driven by the multinational players and we are applying the same standards uh, in Turkey if you are working in a multinational organization with elsewhere of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, we need more legislative and more uh, awareness and more culture programs to to show compliance as a separate profession and how the legal and finance outsource uh, professions can help uh, the executives of the company. So uh, there is a room for improvement there. We are not the same country as 20 years before. Uh, we are very, uh, actually we want to attract foreign investments. We want to be, a, as a Turkish economy, we want to be a top player in, in the world. So we have we have to have the same standards uh, with the big players in the economy like UK and US and other uh, big economies who have the same standards. So if we are talking about the globalized economy, we should also have the uh, knowledge about globalized legislation and globalized ethics standards. Otherwise, companies in the short term can can have some benefits uh, especially when they act uh, unethically and when they conduct uh, have misconduct operations but in the long term we always see that uh, non-compliance always pays excellent so yeah. so you, you you've kind of mentioned there that things have improved from a compliance perspective because the multinationals have been more active in turkey in, in recent years So, you know, when looking, you know, from the, the perspective of a, of a Turkish business, um, what, what should a Turkish business be looking for um, when they're looking to implement their own compliance program? Mm-hmm. Actually, before that, I would like to give a little bit overview about the Turkish legislation on uh, on the hottest topic of compliance, which is anti-bribery and anti-corruption. So, uh, Turkey unlike US uh, or UK or Brazil, doesn't have a specific general anti-corruption or bribery law. Okay. So there were some amendments in Turkish uh, criminal court in 2012, uh, but the experts and critics say that it's not enough because it only regulates the bribery and corruption uh, on a limited basis. Uh, to uh, government officials. Turkey doesn't have a, a specific bribery law for uh, combating with uh, foreign bribery, especially when we are considering that Turkey is a key player in uh, in the region, like the Middle East region, CIS region, and maybe North Africa region. We, are, we have so many companies operating there, ex- exporting products. Uh, we also need to have same standards with uh, UK and US uh, to combat with with uh, bribery to foreign officials because bribery is not only a matter of business environment it's a matter of it's a problem of society actually the world's third biggest economy is bribery economy and it's it's not only hurts uh, governments it's also hurts individuals it's Uh, it also damages the justice, it damages uh, the education system. So from a social responsibility perspective, also the businesses uh, should be aware of the risks, not only to refrain from compensations uh, for uh, reputation, but also to serve to the society as well. This is what I believe. And Turkey is a member of OECD Anti-Bribery Convention since 2000. Uh, but we, 
according to the latest reports in October last year, uh, we are still uh, a way to go to implement key aspects of the convention uh, and foreign bribery laws uh, perspective as well. And coming to your second question, uh, for local companies who wants to invest in compliance and to have a compliance program, first thing first, they, they need to contact with compliance professionals. They need to actually get opinion uh, about the roadmap because compliance is a long-term journey. Uh, it's, it's, it's not like a, a just one month work or two months work. It's a, it's, it should be a culture. It's, it should be not like a policy, we say. And the need for due diligence as first step uh, is a is a real um, uh, real need uh, because compliance programs differ from sector to sector to jurisdiction to jurisdiction to type of the company culture and it depends uh, on uh, on a compliance uh, program from company to company so we we should be aiming for a tailor made compliance program which is supported uh, by uh, company executives. We say in compliance world, without tone from the top, without the support of the top management and also the middle management, you cannot achieve compliance with only appointing a dedicated compliance officer. Everybody should own compliance because doing the right thing is the key. And we call that integrity. The term integrity is really important in compliance along with other uh, principles like transparency as well, but integrity is key and integrity, we call it, is doing the right thing even no one is watching. So that means that we should be able to adapt our reflexes to do the right thing even we are alone and even we have the capacity to, uh, ability to, uh, to make misconduct. So this is, this is what we call a self-control and it can only be uh, adapted uh, to employees of the company, to executives of the company by a, a behavioral change program. So compliance is not only about, you know, making fancy uh, policies, but is also a culture change, which compliance department should work with human resources, should work with finance, should work with commercial departments, and it's a, uh, it's a journey, we call it. So every, if everybody owns compliance, that would be a, a good way to start. So we call it not uh, actually tick the box approach, but actually owning compliance and really being intimate about it. Okay. Yeah. So, so a, a company has its own sort of ethos and mm -hmm. you're saying like it shouldn't be a tick the box process where, where you, you just like passing an exam or something. It's about having a compliance program that suits your business mm -hmm. and uh, and and getting the best advice. So so when you're looking for advice from some say a law firm that has a, a compliance sort of service, what what would you be looking for? You know from from that law firm. Actually, training and communications is a big part of a compliance program. Recently, uh, actually, you also saw that with the COVID nineteen pandemic. Companies all also uh, turned uh, turned their vision to webinar meetings and webinar trainings. Mm -hmm. uh, but we shouldn't also forget that we should be creative in compliance communication and compliance training as well. We should use the ways which the marketing or sales department use with, within the uh, company. So uh, I would 
first thing first, we, we when we are looking for a compliance partnership or compliance advice, we should uh, work with the reliable partners who actually dealt with the compliance profession in the past and who are creative building some tools for uh, ac- actually uh, maintaining this behavioral change uh, within the company. So there are certain ex- aspects of compliance program. If we come to risk management, companies need to work with uh, legal or compliance partners who know the business. Because if you want to serve business, you should know the business. Yeah. So, that, so that's the rule of being uh, being a good lawyer. And it, it applies to compliance as well. The best compliance officer uh, is a compliance officer who spends time with the business and who knows where the money comes and where the money goes. So the same applies for outsource uh, compliance consultant as well. And uh, in compliance environment, uh, we are always mentioning the term monitoring, which is different than auditing because audits actually uh, contains a, a retrospective work, but uh, monitoring is live and monitoring should be done more frequently uh, than auditing. So uh, according to the risk assessment, uh, which is made by the consultant, uh, there should be a monitoring activity which shows the enforcement of the risk assessment. It should be a live document. It should be a continuous improved document. So. A, a compliance consultant should be aware of the risks of the company, mm-hmm. should be aware of the future potential risks of the industry or, of, or the economy or the country. And the risk assessment should be frequently assessed whether we can apply the same risk assessment of two years before or whether we should renew it. So long story short, I would uh, definitely look for a compliance consultant who are very familiar to these approaches and who who can bring more uh, value to the organization's compliance program and who can assess the risks and who can take uh, difficult decisions. Because we are always facing with some prejudice when we are talking with compliance, with uh, new clients who doesn't have compliance program. They think that compliance is a business blocker. But on the contrary, I position compliance as a competitive advantage uh, because uh, with compliance, we are always aiming for long-term success. And uh, there is a proverb, African proverb, they say that if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go beyond or far away, you need to go together. So this is our motto uh, in the uh, when we are working with our clients. At first, compliance can be seen as a business blocker, but it's not. It's it's a way of guidance process. Uh, and with compliance, companies can have long-term and sustainable relationship with their employees, with their partners, uh, business partners, with their third parties, and with their customers as well. So that's what I would look for a perspective or principle. Uh, of a compliance consultant. And I suppose it would help if, if the actual organization that, that you were looking to work with had their own compliance program within their business yep. that they operated by, yeah? Yeah. Uh, but having a compliance program is not always enough to refrain from uh, all business risks. Uh, we were going to mention about some recent uh, cases about mm-hmm. Turkey. Uh, we see that big uh, companies... Uh, usually fail in compliance. Uh, you know, 
like uh, when we are talking, maybe maybe you remember about the Siemens case? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they had a huge uh, scandal and later on, uh, they made a huge change project with, with their third parties, with their compliance program and they, they, they find the Uh, problems in their compliance program and uh, in their communications as well. So having a compliance program is not uh, enough. You should assess your compliance program and you should make additional changes or amendments to your compliance program uh, according to the industry, uh, country and uh, and the culture within the company. So having a compliance program is a plus, but we say that it's not enough. And uh, when you are working within a company as an in-house uh, person sometimes uh, as time passes we call it uh, we call it the blind eye in the company uh, you cannot fully assess the risks be- because you are within the company but uh, an outsource compliance consultant can come to the company and assess these risks from a third eye perspective and give uh, actually a good consultation and uh, make a proactive risk-based approach mm-hmm. and that would be in the beneficial uh, of the organization as well because uh, when we are working with the outsource uh, consultants we can always assess the future risks and uh, lessons learned from other companies as well and we can bring those uh, to our clients uh, along the way before a scandal happens. Excellent. So, so it's really having an, uh, an understanding of what compliance is yourself, and and getting a professional to in, to instill some 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 sort of good measures uh, that mm-hmm. are ethical. But but actually having an understanding of compliance and, and making it happen in your organisation, mm-hmm. I suppose it's going to put the, the, the Turkish businesses that take that on board are kind of in the best position to get the investment from multinationals and so on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually. We are always saying when we are uh, to our local clients that the, if you want to have a compliance program, it shouldn't be just to attract foreign investors. It should be to make your standards higher and to level the playing ground with multinational uh, environment as well, uh, we, we call it. Because uh, if we only aim to partner with uh, foreign investors, That wouldn't work because we are talking about sociology and uh, psychology of mm-hmm. the employees. Uh, and we need to be sincere with our approach. In that way, we can also have the compliance culture within the employees. Uh, there's a recent study of Association of Certified Fraud Examiners. We abbreviate it as ACFE. They have measured the ways to detect misconduct and fraud within the company. <laughs> and very interestingly... The whistleblowing programs, the speak-up programs, are far away the most uh, reliable and efficient approach to detect misconduct before a scandal or before a big compliance issue happens. So, with that way, actually, if you if you are maintaining and if you are incorporating a speak-up program within your company, whether you are a multinational or a local company, this is a way of actually reaching out to your employees and to maintain transparency and also refrain from uh, risk as well. So uh, that's why I always, when, I, when I'm talking with my local clients, I always advise them that, you know, if you want to, uh, if you want a transparent and long-term relationship with your employees, and if you want a long-term success, 
you need to adopt the compliance program, which also includes speak up culture uh, and ethical culture elements with, with your employees as well. It's not only the current employees of the company, but also to attract new talents from the industry. There is a mm-hmm. survey about it. People, when they are applying for a new job and when they are selecting the companies to work with, they always choose the most ethical companies to work. Because uh, nowadays we are seeing the different generations and uh, X generation, Y generation, and Z generation. They want to share and they want to be proud of their company. So, so being ethical is always pays uh, positively to the companies and employees, we can say. Excellent. So it's, it's not just about that investment from multinationals. It's yes. about having a happy workforce. And it's about having the best talent within your organization as exactly. well. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you very much for joining us today. That's some, uh, some great insight there. We'll be back again with more podcasts in the future about compliance and ethics. Thanks very much. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for your very uh, hard but very efficient questions uh, and look forward to speaking to you again. Thank you. If you have any feedback on this podcast or would like to recommend other topics for us to discuss, you can contact us at info at Also, for more information on what we do and our other insights, please visit our webpage, chettingkaya.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.